every morning. Breaking news and talk you can trust. This is The Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horan. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys, again, Friday. I keep reminding you because I know I don't want to be a pessimist. It's your Friday morning answer. You're right. It's your finally a Friday morning Ooh. answer. Womp, bomb, baloo, bomb. The weekend's <laughs> here Friday already. It's great, but uh-oh. it is Friday the 13th. Uh, I don't want to bring anybody Hold down. on. As my you friend, had to go there, didn't you? You had uh, to take well, our optimism it, and just jump all over it. It's information. It's Friday, and it's also the 13th. And as my friend, the great Al Rantel, always says, the Lord does not giveth with both hands. So you have Friday, and that's wonderful. That's great. Oh, Friday, that's great. But look, on the other hand, it's the 13th. So everything's a negotiation. Everything is a negotiation. That's right. (laughs) And uh, so here we are, Friday the 13th. And by the way, let's set the the mood here, shall we? Very optimistic. Very uplifting. Doesn't scare me or anything. I got my mask on. I'm making sure not to exhale really too much. Or inhale. I did it. Sorry, but I got to breathe. You know, it's a weird thing. It's weird. It's weird how that is required of you. All right. So Friday 13 is the day. Be safe out there. Watch for black cats and whatever superstitions people have. I have a black cat, so I I don't live with that at all. And you know, I, I say this, uh, I think we have two Friday the 13th usually every year. It's not a, it's not guaranteed. But it comes from triskaidekaphobia. That's right. Which is the fear of the number 13. Yeah, and I never got being afraid of a number. I mean, I get being afraid of a spider, a snake, an axe murderer. Does 666 six, six make Biden you feel presidency. a certain <laughs> I get uh, 40, all that. 46. Does 666 <laughs> make you feel a certain way? Um, yeah, I think it, well, you know what? So there's a number that impacts yeah, your feeling. I guess so. I guess you're right. All right, fine. I'm wrong. 911 make you feel a certain way? We, yeah, well. You're calling 911? And 911, yeah. Well, uh, obviously, I was, yeah, we understand this. Yeah. A- and uh, here's a number that uh, should make us all feel good. Lots of zeros with a dollar sign before them and a, and a number one or higher in front of all the zeros. That, yes, Many zeros. I like zeros at the end, basically. As many as they want. As many. It just load them up. All right. We want to bring you up to speed on a fire that broke out this morning around 5 a.m. Right now, crews are battling a brush fire that prompted officials to close a portion of Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu this morning. It's burning just off of Tuna Canyon Road. L.A. County fire at the scene using at least one air unit to try to knock this out. The good news, very close to houses. That's not the good news. That's the bad news. But the good news is it was it was burning away from those houses going up the hill and uh, and certainly, basically now, no no closures of, or is there no evacuations, but road closures in effect. PCH, that section still closed down this morning. And of course, uh, traffic quickly backed up on the northbound side of PCH coming out of Santa Monica. Now, uh, Malibu's relationship with Santa Monica on the PCH, I think uh, Facebook would call it complicated. I think that's and right. I think, you know, that's a tough relationship to navigate, even if there's not a fire. And I, I'm not diminishing the fire, obviously, but I'm... Obviously, people who live in Malibu spend a lot of time there approaching the pier and looking at that Ferris wheel get closer and closer, but it takes like 24 hours sometimes. Firefighters appearing to get the upper hand on the blaze. That was reported just about an hour ago. Crew still on the scene there uh, where the battling of the brush fire continues. This is uh, PCH right near Tuna Canyon Road. It seems like they're getting uh, the upper hand on this, but we're keeping an eye on it for you. Just know if you're driving through that area, there will be some road closures and 
uh, fire crews out there this morning. Now, I saw this story uh, yesterday, and I really, literally right before I went to bed, and I said, oh, this is a story for the morning answer. This is something for us to talk about. It was a good story, because right before bed, you don't want to have a bad story in your head. Well, I mean, in some ways, I guess you could say it's good and bad, but certainly it's it's worth talking about, and I think it's a reflection, more importantly, on where we are right now with with the pandemic and with closures and with more closures being threatened. We hear Governor Newsom say that he is looking at more restriction. He's moving some some counties back to a purple when they've made it to the red tier. We've heard uh, some of the people that are around Joe Biden saying that they're recommending a four to six week national lockdown mandate. And we're hearing this morning today there are more COVID-19 patients in American hospitals than have been at any point before this. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito spoke and uh, really, I I think, at least thought-provoking. He said, religious liberty and free speech are amongst our greatest personal freedoms, and they are very imperiled during times like this when government is so powerful, so big, and overreaching. He felt, especially during the coronavirus pandemic, that the government has used this sort of as a catalyst to overreach more uh, and, and stomp on people's personal freedoms, religious liberty, freedom of speech. This is his quote. He said, tolerance for opposing views is now in short supply. This was at, by the way, a virtual keynote speech that he made to a conference of of the Conservative Federalist Society in which he referenced his current state of discourse in our nation's law schools and in the academic community. He said that many recent law school graduates claim they face harassment and retaliation for any views that depart from law school orthodoxy, basically. He said, quote, in certain quarters, religious liberty has fast become a disfavored right. For many today, religious liberty is not a cherished freedom. It's often just an excuse for bigotry, and it can't be tolerated even when there's no evidence that anybody has been harmed, end quote. He talked about the Little Sisters of the Poor, which is an order of the Roman Catholic nuns who were exempted from a requirement to provide birth control coverage to employees, and that Colorado baker that we spent so much time talking about who was allowed to refuse service to a gay couple for their wedding. Sure. He said, the question we face is whether our society will be inclusive enough to tolerate people with unpopular religious beliefs. Kind of, I I thought, just an interesting, almost a juxtaposition of this, because at first we always say that people who are speaking from their religious perspective from their heart. And they say, well, faith based or or, or, talking about religion specifically. Yeah. They're called bigots. If they don't want to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple, or if they don't want to provide, um, if they don't want to provide contraceptives to women because it's against their religion, they're almost called bigots. They're, they're saying that they're discriminating against other people. What justice Alito here is saying is that we need to get to a point in this country where those people's point of view, while unpopular is also not, taken away because it's part of their religious freedoms. And I just thought that was an interesting perspective and almost kind of, I think, what maybe we talk about here, which is just giving everybody a little bit of empathy, I well, think. Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, yes. And I think that respect for people who have a different opinion, uh, lost in disagreement, you should not find humanity, your humanity and your understanding of another's humanity lost in disagreement over an issue that thinking people can very legitimately disagree on. Now, uh, Justice Alito, it seems that these comments he made about religious freedom, which are very important to make, and, and, and he's a very smart and intelligent, obviously, and very 
reasonable, reasoned person with that judicial mind. He talks less about COVID-19. He talked about the closures. I understand that. But to the point of one's faith, or you you brought up that baker, and there are other things to talk about, that, but you said that it feels when someone is expressing, you said it feels to you that if they're expressing their religious belief or acting from their faith, that it's called discrimination. Mm-hmm. Well, Two things can be true at one time in reality, in fact, by mm-hmm. definition. That's true. You can be practicing your religious faith, whatever that might be, and you and and uh, and and with your observance of your beliefs, you don't have to serve someone. Now, the someone you're not serving could could be unserved for if you're saying it's your religious beliefs. I guess whatever reason because they're gay or lesbian or because maybe they're maybe they've had sex out of wedlock or mm-hmm. because maybe they've divorced or whatever it is and in America where we are in our bill of rights assured freedom from religion as we are ensured freedom of religion people ought not be discriminated take the feelings out of that word but that's what you're doing you're dis- you're just dis- you're being discriminating and you're saying that person can't come in here and i think that's the freedom issue ultimately for me yeah i i guess and again it's not even about relitigating the issue it's just an interesting perspective i think from justice alito he also said that he felt that the covid crisis has highlighted constitutional fault lines and he felt that it was more important than ever that judges dedicated to the rule of law have a clear duty. He said comp- he said they can't compromise principle or rationalize any departure from what they're obligated to do. A good reminder and certainly some interesting thought, a thought exercise at least. From no doubt. And one might say, where was he in March? Where was he in April? <laughs> there when you this- go. Yep. You and I were talking about it. Watching, exactly, watching over all of this. As we continue, the vote counting is going on in Arizona, in Georgia, lawsuits in Pennsylvania, election attorney and our friend, Garrett Fay joins us as your Friday morning answer continues. Brian Whitman's voices, Jennifer Horn's brain. What else do you need to start your day? This is the morning answer. Thanks for joining us. It's your Friday morning answer. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn, here to remind you about that. We've got that going for us. It is Friday, Friday the 13th, but you know. Forget about the number. You can't win them all. That's right. (laughs) Garrett Fay joins us. He is the host of uh, The Weekend Answer right here on AMH 70, The Answer. He is also a business and election law attorney. He fills in here. You know him. He's our friend. You can follow him on Twitter at Garrett Fay, F-A-H-Y. And Garrett, good morning. Thanks for being with us today. Good morning, you guys. How are you? We're doing Good. great, and we're so glad you're here because there have been just a truckload of uh, questions. Ballots, a truckload of ballots. <laughs> That's right. All that have for been Joe removed. Biden being dropped <laughs> off in Minnesota right now. No, you're a living, breathing election attorney, so you got to be on to help us sift through some of this confusing information because we're hearing different things. Yeah, let's start with Pennsylvania. I know you've been following this closely and uh, we'll get your we'll get your thoughts at kind of at the end, but let's kind of t- look at the states. We've got Georgia going into a recount automatically. That starts today. Hand recount is not automatic, but that's one of their stipulations. In Pennsylvania, the Trump campaign won a decision yesterday by a judge that said the Secretary of State was a- was acting outside of the power of the office by extending the deadline that ballots could could be cured to the 12th. Do you think that is a difference maker for the Trump campaign? And what other legislation have we not heard about yet that is either in pro- in progress or will be filed in Pennsylvania this, this week? Yeah, so on Georgia really quick, what's interesting is um, the RNC and then the legal end of the RNC, which is the Republican National Lawyer Association, they're trying to get people to go out there and be present for the, um, the recount. 
I don't think that's necessarily going to change things because when recounts happen, they don't normally turn up more than a couple hundred votes that might go the other way. But in Pennsylvania, this is an interesting decision. It's pretty a technical decision. The judge there, her name is Mary Hannah Levitt of a Commonwealth Court, which is the lower trial court. She wrote that uh, the governor, the state government, lacked the authority to extend by three days until yesterday, the 12th, the statutory six-day deadline for voters to verify a proof of identification. So what's going on here is if you vote a vote-by-mail ballot and the signature on the ballot does not match the signature on the voter registration, usually the states give you a couple days to prove that, yes, that is your signature because they want to count your ballot. So this uh, judge said, well, the government didn't have the authority to extend the, that cure period by three days. Only the state legislature can do that. Um, and so that gave the Trump campaign a little bit of hope. But the problem is that's only that only may, in, at the end of the day, reverse something about 10,000 votes at the most. So Trump's down by about 55,000 votes in Pennsylvania. And so what I tell everyone when you're thinking about these legal questions and these lawsuits is there's two things you have to look at. Number one, is there an egregious legal violation, either of state law or federal law? Because the Supreme Court only cares that there's a violation of federal law. So Bush v. Gore was the way Florida elections officials were handling the recount violated federal law. But then even if there's a violation of state or federal law, it's only going to matter if it implicates enough ballots to overturn the outcome. Okay, Garrett Fay is uh, host of The Weekend Answer right here on AM870. We thank you for joining us, Brian and Jennifer. Friday is here. Garrett's a living, breathing election attorney, and he's our friend, too. And you hear him on The Morning Answer with us, uh, well, many times over the years. Garrett, here's the headline from Newsweek. Officials say this election was the most secure in U.S. history. I'll tell you who signed the statement, then I'll tell you what the statement says, and certainly want you to comment on about it, whether you think it's true or not, or the organization. Statement signed by officials from the Elections Infrastructure Government Coordinating Council, <clears throat> which uh, is also working with the Election Infrastructure Sector Coordinating Council. Here's what they say. Quote, the November 3 election was the most secure in American history. There is no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was in any way compromise. The statement acknowledges, quote, many unfounded claims and opportunities for misinformation about the process of our elections. It urges Americans to turn to election administrators and officials for accurate information. You're an election attorney. Your thoughts? Well, my first question would be whether that organization put out a similar statement in 2016 in what was a clean election without any interference from Russia. But let's get back to the present. Uh, I think people can have confidence generally that the elections are overall fair and they're conducted without foreign interference and without a lot of any or any real vote changing. We do know there are small instances of voter fraud. There have been felony convictions in various states. There was something in Texas or something in North Carolina. Um, but I think overall people should feel comfortable in the, in the result. I think what what makes people, I think, distrust the results is when you go to bed on election night and one person or candidate is up, mm-hmm. and then over the next couple of weeks, the result changes. And that's more, I think, an implication of how we've changed our election laws and we've delayed out the counting and canvassing process. But look, if, if you ask me, is there widespread fraud that changed the outcome? Was any individual voter's vote uh, changed by a foreign actor, agent, intelligence service? The answer is probably not. Um, but that headline is also in service of a narrative trying to get everyone to move on, nothing to see here, no reason to finish counting the votes, no reason to let the lawsuits play out. And so, you know, w- w- while there may be some truth to that headline, 
Uh, it's in service of a narrative that I think is dangerous because it, it, it suggests that election officials shouldn't even finish their jobs. Yeah, I think it, that's the important thing. Moving forward, we want to make sure that everything is verified. We have a campaign going on right now, AM870. The answer in all of Salem Radio is uh, looking to verify the vote. We're asking you to join us, by the way. You go to am870theanswer.com, and right at the top, you'll see verify the vote. You can put your name and zip code in there so that your elected official will uh, be part of the list of those competitors to make sure that the vote is verified. We encourage you to do that today. But there are some uh, some people that are actually taking matters into their own hands. We know the Trump campaign has a lot of lawsuits. We know, we've heard the stories. We've heard about the Dominion voting system that sends their results to uh, their company, Dominion, before they send it actually to the Board of Elections or the Registrar or the Secretary of State in uh, the places where they contract here. We've heard those stories. But there are now voters in uh, the state of Wisconsin who are getting together and filing legislation saying that the rights of all voters have been violated. How much more or less merit do individual voters get when they file this type of legislation in comparison to a campaign doing this, or the RNC, for instance? There's no more or less merit depending on who files. There's more or less merit depending on the evidence you can muster when you do file. So regardless of who's filing, the thing the judge wants to look at, and it doesn't matter what judge you're talking about, which state, what law, where the status of the race is, You have to have admissible evidence of significant fraud for a judge to do something uh, and for a judge to rule in your favor. And a lot of times what these uh, lawsuits attempt to do is get elections officials to stop a count or stop a recount. And there's a high bar there. And if I'm a judge, I'm not going to order an elected official to stop doing his or her job based on rumors. But uh, that's why the Trump administration and some of the Trump campaign lawyers are talking about what affidavits and evidence and declarations they have because that's the kind of evidence you need. So if a regular citizen can get a hold of that, if he or she saw something and they're going to sign their name under penalty of perjury that they saw something that they think was nefarious, then, yeah, that could go somewhere. But the issue is, again, is there enough evidence of widespread fraud or widespread widespread malfeasance to change an outcome? And if there's not, the judge might grant you the relief you want, but it might only overturn a couple ballots or a couple hundred Uh, And so in a close state, maybe like Wisconsin or Arizona or Georgia, where within a couple thousand votes, you tally up a couple different lawsuits from different counties, you might have something. Garrett Fay, we have about 30 seconds. Garrett's an election attorney. People have uh, reactions that are political, but you're a legal, you're an election attorney. And no doubt, as most professional people do, you can assess others in your field, colleagues, and how well or not well they do their job. What is your assessment of the Trump's legal team's performance in challenging the veracity of election results or suggesting they're not completely known yet where they're doing it in different states across the country this morning? Well, I think it's too early to tell. Number one, they filed, I think, what appear to be legitimate lawsuits based on prior Supreme Court precedent. The biggest issue is Pennsylvania, and the arguments they're making in Pennsylvania mirror the arguments the Bush campaign made in in Florida in the Supreme Court in 2000, which arguments were eventually successful. So the arguments appear to be legit. The problem is they're running up against the clock. Most of these states need to certify the election results in the next couple weeks by either the end of November or beginning of December. So they're running out of time. And the other thing is they're also facing a lot of harassment from outside organizations like the Lincoln Project 
is trying to publicly shame law firms that are working with the Trump campaign, which I think is preposterous. Yeah. But it, all in all, it's too soon to tell. But I think they do have some good arguments. Again, the question is whether they're going to find enough evidence to throw out any individual election result in a particular swing state. And it's worth noting the Lincoln Project is, is run by the bad Jennifer Horn, not this Jennifer Horn. <laughs> That's true. That's right. Her evil twin. <laughs> That's with right. The, with twin we are name, not basically. related. All right, Garrett Fay, you are the best. Thank you so much for that clarification and uh, just the, the rational perspective that you provide. Check out The Weekend Answer. It happens this Sunday, 7 a.m. right here on AM870. And follow him on Twitter at Garrett Fay. Have a great weekend, Garrett. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. You too, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. You too, buddy. All right. Up ahead, Kaylee McEnany mounting the defense for President Trump. Your Donald Daily Download is next as your Morning Answer continues. News and talk you can trust. i tell you what. If I had the talent of any one of these people, I'd be elected president by acclamation. <laughs> the Morning Answer with Brian Woodman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us on your Friday morning answer. He sort of was elected by acclamation so far. Oh, Brian you think- Woodman and Jennifer oh. Horn. We'll see. We'll see what happens. The vote tally is on. And that is the subject of our Donald Daily Download. This is The Answer with Brian and Jen. These are not stupid people. They know it was a hoax. They know better than anybody in this room it was a hoax. They set it up. The Donald Daily Download. He's not talking about us, he, that no. we know it was a hoax. And what's a hoax? Now, the election's a hoax, the Russian, a lot of hoaxes. Both, actually, I think. And by the way, did you know what's happening this weekend? Well, I did, that you have that surprise party for me that the, in, advance of, um, uh, in advance of me celebrating the end of the year and me. And you just getting that big party. I heard someone call me, said, do you have the party for me this weekend? Um, party yeah. of the year. Well, I'm going to go... No. Oh. No. Uh, we're doing a, a big, and I mean we, Trump supporters around the world are coming together for a Stop the Steal rally. Thank you. I love you, too. This That's is going to be a big why one. Like I a million man march. About it. You guys, how do you guys communicate <laughs> with each other? Through email, secret uh, text messages? If I told you, I'd have to kill you, and I don't well, want to do that. So. Where are you going to be part of the Steal march? Steal is in, as in takeaway? Uh, I am not. I've got some family stuff going on, oh, but I was yes. invited uh, no. to go to Washington, D.C., where there is going to be a big rally walking from literally people gathering at White House to Supreme Court, and it's going to be pretty big. I think you'll see on signi- it's, it does sound cold. <laughs> Our enforcer, Katie, <laughs> who is there right now, said Ow. it's going to be Ow, cold. Katie. You Ow. better stay back. And so I did. That's what I decided to do. But there are going to be a lot of people from our area actually going to Washington, D.C. to march in support of the president. And then on what fact set? That there's a lot of questions about this election. Right, right. And uh, I think many people believe that if we don't stand up now, elections will permanently have a new look, a new feel, and be ripe for additional fraud. But you see all these very general, very bad. I think people should stand up and march and do that when they have a fact set, when they have that thing, because you usually carry signs in a rally, and they should say something uniformly, specifically. For example, no more taxes. There you, boom. Uh, You know, count every vote might be, but how about the, stop outsourcing our elections? The fact that our voting think, equipment is coming from other countries, I think, is is that's the too number one sign. problem. That's too long for a sign. I will carry uh, – I'll make a sandwich board. Okay, I'll wear it on right, both fine. sides okay. of me. Oh, all right. Kaylee right. McEnany yesterday was making the rounds, acting in her personal capacity, not as, as the press secretary acting as an advisor to the Trump 2020 campaign. She talked about some of the things that they have seen in states where there is – There are some questions. Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Here is Kaylee McEnany. 
Now you have affidavits from Pennsylvania. Tell us what you have. Yeah, this is a big deal, Sean. In this country, voting is a fundamental right, and that means that there has to be uniform standards uh, throughout the state of Pennsylvania. But what we saw here, and we have the evidence to prove it, is this. There was one system for Democrat counties. There was another system for Republican counties. You had the courts in Pennsylvania saying there's no way to fix your mail-in ballot in advance except, as we have now found out, in seven Democrat counties. We have text messages that I've provided your producers, emails that are in our affidavits sworn that show that Democrat voters were being contacted, in some cases, by Democrat campaigns. And they could have been, uh, it was voters in the Democrat counties that were contacted saying, your ballot's been canceled, you need to come fix it. Whereas we have other affidavits of people in Republican-leaning counties who say, tonight, I voted for 15 years, 15 years absentee. I went to go turn in my ballot and was informed after the election it was canceled with no opportunity to fix it in advance. That's I mean, if those things turn out to be true, and this is why I think this is important, that is some stuff that needs to be fixed. Whether or not it it impacts the outcome of the election, this has to be taken care of. I okay, and she's talking about um, some incidents. She's not giving us names. She's not giving us any details. She's she saying provided Demo- the producers with she, names and emails. She's saying Democratic voters, but no. Then she says in a state where it's a, where mostly people are Democrats. Let me just say this: What's the result of these questions being asked, whether in court, on the radio, in the media, at Kaylee McEnany's uh, venue where she was yesterday? The result is that we have. Uh, President-elect trying to transition Biden. Yesterday's story is he's working around what he views as uh, what he called embarrassing President Trump's behavior, his words. We have a nation, the world's greatest nation in human history, the only superpower on the globe with indecision 10 days, 11 days now after uh, 10 days after the U.S. presidential election. And there is, as Garrett Fay who we both know is a conservative guy. He voted for President Trump. He's an election attorney. He was on with us in the previous segment. He said he wonders about the math and whether or not there's enough there to do what ultimately has to be done for this to be. Because of the uh, timelines, too, because if there's enough there, you have to prove it by a certain timeline. And that's why there are some reports that the campaign, if they feel like they have enough evidence to flip a state, they're going to ask for delays in certification. So So it's just more the president of the United States. Donald Trump is our president. Unfortunately, the president, by all available numbers and the understanding of numbers that could be in dispute, the math looks to make it impossible. And beyond that, today, elections officials are saying it was the most secure election in U.S. history. And as I've been saying for 10 days, no secretary of state of all the 50 in America acting in all of our 50 states, has described a systemic, consequential, or uh, or pattern of voter irregularity or fraud in this election. So with all of that understood— That one doesn't why- really surprise me, though, because the Secretary okay. of State, if they said, yeah, we had a lot of fraud, that means that they failed. And so you have to you have to consider where this stuff is coming from. We're hearing from real people. I've talked to real people. I've talked to real people who have seen things on a pretty systemic level— Things that need to be investigated, and again, I'll say it for the you know for the millionth time, whether or not this changes the outcome of the election, these are things we have to do. It might because.
because there are thousands and thousands of people who have stories like this. And Joe Biden, for his part, has said that he would wait until the results were certified before he declared his loss. And so I think that that President Trump should be afforded the same thing. Just because Joe Biden is now on the flip side, he wants to change the rules. That's not necessarily how it goes. Kaylee McEnany talked about the thousands of ballots that they found that were counted improperly. So more evidence from Kaylee McEnany, who was on uh, this was on Sean Hannity last night. She was also on Martha McCallum's program. Take a cool. listen. This is an equal protection violation. And Sean, let me add one more thing. That's a new part of our filing tonight. It's this, that we believe in the counting process, that ballots without signatures, dates and addresses, which are required by law, uh, were counted in some Democrat counties, but not in some Republican counties. This would amount to potentially tens of thousands of ballots that were counted improperly. And we must look into this. That's the voice of Kaylee McEnany. She also said she has binders. I knew you would like this one. Binders, binders. of she affidavits. She got from Mitt Romney? Exactly. She got Mitt Romney I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. He's Come done. on. His binders of women were emptied out, and so now she has binders of affidavits. That I know when Trump first filed. got there, he said, where are the binders? I thought Mitt had binders of women. Abs- to- you want lots of binders around you because it makes you look like you're doing important work. when you have yeah, And that is Mitt Romney's vibe, definitely. Yeah, Binder, wants- uh, trapper keepers of... Oh, uh, I loved those. Oh, yeah. I know you did. I had a bunch of them with unicorns lisa frank trapper keepers for days all right as we continue uh, i'm sorry who's lisa frank she, she i'll tell you <laughs> okay sorry i just she was a, she did all the stickers in the 80s uh, like, Jen, a lot Jen, of we're unicorns on the air. Jen, glitter Jen, we're yeah. on the air hey, you it's asked 20, your 20. problem uh, okay. lisa <laughs> right. frank. to help the economy a bank has a proposal that will probably outrage at least half the country as your friday morning answer continues news and talk you can trust The Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us on your Friday Morning Answer. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn, we are here and at the ready. Now, one of the things that has been floated from a potential Biden administration is that some of the people that he is aligning himself with, including some of his advisors on coronavirus, COVID-19, is that they'd like to see a four to six week national shutdown. Now, one of his spokespeople was asked about this on CNN yesterday, and she wouldn't confirm or deny whether or not this was going to be part of the agenda for a Biden administration. Well, I think he laid out very clearly across the course of the campaign the things that he wants to do to get the virus under control, including uh, encouraging national mask mandates, including providing resources to small businesses and schools to ensure that they can open safely. He laid out really comprehensive plans to get a national testing infrastructure in place to ensure that we're testing and, and working to keep people Uh, uh, you know, who've been exposed from spreading the virus further. So he's put forward his own plans that uh, are going to get the virus under control and are going to get the economy moving again. Um, Obviously, he is listening to uh, to the very best advice from scientists, from doctors. Again, you saw him announce his his covid task force this week, uh, and he's going to be informed by the the best expertise and public health expertise out there. But, uh, you know, he's going to move forward on the plans that he laid out in the campaign uh, that people overwhelmingly voted for in this country. But what does that mean? No plans for uh, a lockdown, but that could change. Uh, I I mean, he's the Michael Osterholm's on the task force. There are steps that we can take now, again, encouraging people to wear masks. We've seen study after study shows that 
people wearing masks inhibits the spread of the virus. That's a really important step that everybody can take uh, starting now to try to inhibit the spread of the virus. So there are things that Joe Biden has put forward that will make a difference uh, and that he's focused on. Now, of course, is he taking advice? Is he hearing from the best uh, you know, public health experts uh, who are advising him? Of course, and he's taking that into account. But he's put forward really aggressive plans uh, that he intends to, to implement in order to get the virus under control. I want you to take a listen to House Minority Leader Kevin. That's Jake Tapper talking with Kate Bedingfield, who's a spokesperson for Joe Biden. And uh, and of course, I think you you heard the the intentional duck because it will depend how the power is shuffled out. If Joe Biden is sworn into office, who will have his ear and will they be able to pursue a four to six week shutdown, which would be I don't know. I think it'd be pretty catastrophic, at least from where I sit for the nation. Um, I think it would be very challenging, a continued challenge for businesses and for the economy. I acknowledge that. A real challenge to the lives, the actual lives of human beings who live in America, American citizens, uh, is, uh, is the challenge is greater now than it's ever been by this quantifiable number. The number of coronavirus hospitalizations in America right now is higher than it's ever been before this time we see in 49 states in this country cases are rising even after the election whether you know it's not biden specific it's a fact they were soaring the numbers so look this is a really obviously very big problem it is a number one problem because people are getting sick and and, and many people statistically it's a very small amount but it's still many people over 210,000 americans or higher than that have lost their lives now the, I appreciate that the numbers are going in the wrong way. While to my eyes, most people are wearing masks. Mm-hmm. So perhaps there needs to be something else going on. I will simply say that President Trump, and I'm speaking from the informed opinion that he's likely to not be president after January 20. I mean, we have to establish some basis for the stuff we say. I believe that he will not be president. I believe Joe Biden will be. Now, that's just the fact that I'm telling you the things I'm saying predicated on that fact. His leadership, President Trump's leadership on COVID-19 was the most criticized of all of his performance while in office. And uh, as he has a couple of months left, we are in this position now, hospitalizations at a record high. Uh, This has not been dealt with effectively, unfortunately. It's because no one's going to be able to deal with it. And here right now, mark this down, because this can be given as a maybe as a pass to to Joe Biden if he is sworn in. Government. government, No, it's it's my intent right now to say it it is government. That government cannot stop a disease. President Trump did everything he could to keep people safe and hospitals not overwhelmed. And the fact that people said that tried to hang this virus around his neck is just an excuse because they didn't like him and they wanted to get him out of office. It has nothing to do with his leadership on this disease. It It, it doesn't because there's not. Do you think I'm telling you something I don't believe? Let me ask you this. You've said uh, that Gavin Newsom has done a good job leading California. We've had had shutdowns and we've had masks. Yet our numbers are still spiking in the state of right. California. So what we're finding is that shutdowns and masks are really not all that effective. So wouldn't it be better if we spent our resources 
trying to protect the people who are most vulnerable. Because when we talk about COVID, we're talking about cases, which can be very light. You didn't have any symptoms at all when you had COVID. You had very mild symptoms if you had any. I had a pretty mild case. I was sick. It was a nasty flu feeling, but I and I was sick. I definitely don't want to downplay it, but yeah. certainly I wasn't hospitalized. Thank God. My mom was. Everybody's a little different with this virus. So instead of talking about cases and numbers that are going up, why not talk about people who are hospitalized? Why not talk about the well, because- the drain on resources as opposed to just the number of cases? Because there's people who are positive that are doing just fine. Why? Uh, the reason we talk about cases is because every case is a human being. That's why. I want to answer that question. The word case sounds clinical. It's a person. It's a of human being. Of course it is. It's, okay. So that's why we talk about them, because it's more than 10 million in America that have had a case of it. And so they're what? They're recovered. How many people, okay. how many of those so people have recovered? So, so what? Mm-hmm. But that's why we talk about them, because there are people in America who have an illness. Now, moving beyond that, I don't understand why the very real challenge to the health and well-being physically and emotionally and mentally of the american people that is at risk as a result of this pandemic which i've never blamed on president trump i have criticized his response and i said that last summer i said that in the summertime of 2020 during the election it's okay to judge his response as a leader in the face of a public health scare with any leader but you don't blame him for it happening i said two months ago it's a fire fires uh, uh the the mayor The governor, the president of the United States, can't prevent an act of nature like a fire or a blizzard, but he can respond to it. And people will judge him or or approve or disapprove based on that response. The president's response by his own admission on tape, unfortunately for him, has been that he was less than truthful. That's not true. He just didn't want to panic people. This is see, I think less than truthful is the government saying that they can fix this because they they haven't said it. Well, I think that they have when they try to sell to the American people a national shutdown, when they sell to us in California a shutdown. That tells me that Gavin Newsom is telling me he can fix this problem if he shuts everybody down and slaps a mask on her face. And the thing is, we've done that. Maybe you think his handling of this has been better than Trump's handling. That's your personal opinion about who they are as a person, because no, both of them my. have had the same impact. And the same no, impact both is not done that, that both of them have yeah. done what they've done and people are still getting sick. I understand that there has. And, and, and as I said, and you and I agree. I wear a mask. You wear a mask. I believe I'm not a doctor. People should wear masks. I see a lot of people wearing masks. I think they do good for us. However, even with them doing us benefit, even with the mass providing benefits, the numbers are still rising in 49 cases. So there's got to be something else that needs to be done. Now, I'm not advocating a four to six week shutdown. What I am saying is that the, I will use the word, the, the, uh, the fairly detached physically, not so from the COVID task force meetings that President Trump and the chronic and consistent political downplaying that he admitted to Bob Woodward and the understanding that people didn't like the way he handled it. So he wanted to talk about everything else. That lack of attention, that lack of attention paid to a pandemic in our country. I believe it's what lost him the election. I also believe, Jennifer, it's not in the best interest of the health and well-being of the American people. That is I just... because you are a liberal and liberals Excuse think... me. No, Excuse no, no, no. Me. Let me just finish my sentence. You are a liberal and you believe that government can fix people's problems. No, I, don't. I am a conservative I... and I know that government you cannot. You know what? I, 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 th- that simplifying of this very complex issue, I actually, I, 
I find that offensive. I don't mean the, it to be. I really don't. Okay, because I'll tell I think you why it comes offensive. from different, different I'll, ways I'll that we consume things. The, the government, whether it's the federal government, municipal governments under George W. Bush after 9-11, whether it's Donald Trump after the declaration of a pandemic on our shores, uh, whatever it is, whether it's Los Angeles mayor during the riots, Government has a responsibility. Read, read the oath the president takes to protect and defend the Constitution, the people of this country. I agree with you, and I think we can find agreement there. But I think that's against. But I think that's against foreign adversaries. The government is there to keep us safe, but can it cure a virus? And the answer is no. Eight five five. We'll hold it there because Fauci has commented on this idea of a lockdown too. So we'll talk about that and find out what you think. Eight five five seven eight five eight two five five eight five five seven eight five eight two five five. Doctor Fauci is chiming in on a four to six week shutdown, and his answers to that question about whether it should happen may surprise you as your Friday morning answer continues.